When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following podcast contains explicit language. I tell you what, he's a lot more obsessed with me than I am with him. <laughs> if Donald is the nominee, Hillary wins and she wins by double digits. If you're a Hillary supporter, you're rooting for Donald. Obfuscate the real problems facing our society and find somebody you can blame. That's what demagoguery is about. Hello, and welcome to TrumpCast, the show about the man who raised less money in May than the Veronica Mars Kickstarter, Donald Trump. I'm Leon Nafok, your guest host while Jacob Weisberg is on vacation. For the past week or so, we've been learning the extent to which Trump's presidential campaign is not much of a campaign. Our last show was about his lack of a field operation. Today's is about the fact that, right now at least, he couldn't build one if he wanted to because he's been so, so, so bad at raising money from donors. Why has he been so bad at it? And how bad exactly has he been? To find out, I'll be talking to Rebecca Ballhouse, a reporter at the Wall Street Journal who has been covering Trump's fundraising efforts, or lack thereof. But first, let's hear the tweets. Hillary says this election is about judgment. She's right. Her judgment has killed thousands, unleashed ISIS, and wrecked the economy. How can Hillary run the economy when she can't even send emails without putting entire nation at risk? Hillary took money and did favors for regimes that enslave women and murder gays. If you want to know about Hillary Clinton's honesty and judgment, ask the family of Ambassador Stevens. Hillary defrauded America as Secretary of State. She used it as a personal hedge fund to get herself rich. Corrupt, dangerous, dishonest. Hillary Clinton may be the most corrupt person ever to seek the presidency of the United States of America. My guest today is Wall Street Journal reporter Rebecca Ballhaus, who covers politics and campaign finance and has been writing great stories for the past several months about Donald Trump's fundraising operation. Rebecca, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So to start off, I'd like to just set the table on the predicament that Trump is in now. What did we learn yesterday when the campaign released its main numbers? And what choices does Trump face now that we all know how, how dire his, his financial situation is? So what we found out yesterday is that he raised just 
3.1 million in May and that he ended the month with about 1.3 million dollars in the bank. Um, that is considerably less than what Hillary Clinton raised last month, month which was 28 million and she has 42 million dollars in the bank at the end of May. So the problem there is Trump hasn't raised all that much money each month since he started running, but he mostly self-funded his campaign. So he loaned himself about $45 million through May. But at the start of May, when he basically became the Republican Party's nominee, he said he wasn't going to self-fund the general election and that he was going to begin more actively soliciting outside donations. And uh, what we saw in his report is that that effort really has not been successful so far. And his campaign has said that June is going to be the first real month of fundraising. It's true that they have ramped up their activities in recent weeks. But given that he's going up against Hillary Clinton, who's been raising money since you know, before she even started running for president, he really doesn't have the luxury of getting a slow start here. Well, so you mentioned one of the big numbers from yesterday, uh, which was that Trump has this tiny war chest, right, that he has <clears throat> $1.3 million in the bank compared to, I think you said, Hillary's uh, $42 million, right? right. So, so this is this is kind of a, a, a elementary question, but what, what is the significance of, of the war chest? Like, for what purpose do you want to have a lot of money on hand? Why is it better to have $42 million than one point three? So what you want to be have that money for to use is what campaigns usually do in the lead up to a general election is they build up their staff in battleground states. And Trump uh, has said that he wants to put more states on the map for Republicans than any candidate before. He wants to win states like California. So what he needs to be doing is to be opening offices on the ground there, hiring field staffers, starting to run TV ads. And if you don't have money, you can't do any of that. Um, and Hillary already has a very robust organization. She's in uh, in a many, many states across the country. And Trump has said he's going to rely on the Republican National Committee to, to help him because they do already have a ground game structure built up. But there is, isn't quite as expansive as the Democrats. And he is going to also have to start ramping up his spending. He spent about half of what Hillary spent in May. And as he gets closer to the general election, I think he's going to be having to try to match her spending more and more. And if he doesn't have the money left over each month to do that, then it's going to be tough for him. Uh, all right. So, Rebecca, maybe uh, one way we can most vividly appreciate how unusual Trump's situation is right now is by looking at, a, at history. Can you give us a sense of how he's doing historically? Like, how was Romney doing at this point four years ago? Sure. So in, in 2012, in May of that year, so the month after Romney became the presumptive nominee, he raised $23 million. So that gives you an idea of sort of how sharp the contrast is. He also has $17 million in the bank at the end of that month compared to Trump's $1.3 million. And the other part there is that after Romney became the nominee, the RNC saw a real fundraising boost in the month afterwards. They raised $34 million that month, which was about $20 million more than the previous month. Meanwhile, this year, the RNC didn't really see any bump at all after Trump became the presumptive nominee. They raised about the same, which is, I think, about $13 million, uh, in May as in April. Well, so I think a lot of people are wondering, like, how did it get to this point? This is a campaign that obviously has been unorthodox throughout, but I feel like there was this expectation that it would, you know, as it got more serious, uh, it, it would get more serious. And so, so I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, which was his approach to funding his primary run. How did he how did he self-fund and what and what did it what does it mean for him to have loaned himself money? And finally, why can't he just you know keep doing that in the general 
Well, so that's that's really what he's been saying, actually, this week, is he says his cash-on-hand figure doesn't matter because he can just keep loaning himself the money. And there there are no FEC rules barring him from loaning himself the money all the way through the general election. But general elections typically cost around $1 billion. And he said he won't need to spend that much and that he can, you know, has all these unconventional ways of campaigning. But if Hillary's going to raise $1 billion, which she said she plans to do, he's not going to be able to get away with raising almost no money. And even if he, and, and the Wall Street Journal did an analysis a couple of months ago that found that he doesn't really have the ready cash on hand to fund a general election campaign, even if he wanted to. Uh, and the, the other thing you can see is that each month his loans to his campaign have gone down. So, you know, he hasn't released his tax returns, so we don't know exactly how much ready cash he has. But everything we've seen and analyzed sort of points to the idea that he doesn't really have the money to be able to fund the election through the end. So, so he realized at some point that he needed to shift gears, right? He, he, he saw that uh, unless he started fundraising, he would be outgunned by a great margin. Um, when, when did that moment happen and what steps did he take to actually bring about any kind of change in the way he was approaching this? So he said early in May, I think it may have actually been the day after he uh, became the party's presumptive nominee after Ted Cruz and John Kasich quit the race. He told the journal in an interview that he did not plan to self-fund his general election. And Mm -hmm. he that day appointed a national finance chairman who is this former Goldman Sachs banker named Steven Mnuchin. And he hadn't previously raised money for a campaign, but his goal was going to be to, to start assembling a finance team. And I believe about a week or two later, he and the RNC rolled out this joint victory committee, which is a uh, committee that can raise money for both the party and for Trump's campaign and for 11 state parties. And that committee has since rolled out a list of prominent Republican fundraisers who they said were going to start working for the committee. But what we've seen so far is that those guys have really taken their time starting to raise money. And we spoke to a couple of them in the last couple of weeks, and some of them have said they haven't really done anything, that they don't have any specific plans to do anything. So there seem to be varying levels of commitment. Uh, Some people on that list of fundraisers for the committee definitely have been raising money. Trump did a a fundraising tour through Texas last week. He did a big Wall Street fundraiser last night and this morning. So he is having events, but, but it seems like they're just getting off to a slow start. How much of the problem do you think is just that these donors don't really want to give Trump money or that they don't really want him to be president, even though, you know, perhaps if if, if they were solicited directly, they would do it? Like, is it just a lack of enthusiasm that's that's causing this slow, uh, slow process or what? I think that's definitely part of it. A lot of the fundraisers we've spoken to have said they were approached by the RNC and that they decided to help this committee really out of dedication to the RNC, not to Trump. And mm-hmm. I think Trump's behavior in the last couple of weeks really hasn't helped him. A lot of donors have said they don't like his comments about the federal judge. They don't like what he said about the Orlando shooting spree and that they feel like that's really hurting efforts to raise money going forward because donors, you know, when you ask people, when you ask your friends to give money, you're putting your name on the line and, and they're not always willing to do that for someone who's making the kinds of comments that he's been making. Right. And I mean, and these, these are these donors that you're talking about are donors who would have given, you know, huge sums in previous cycles to the Republican nominee, right? Right. And and I don't doubt that they, you, so you can only give up to 2700 to a campaign. And I don't really doubt that those guys will, will end up giving it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm more skeptical of is that they will put in the time and effort of 
making all these calls and, and getting other donors to give to the campaign. Like bundling. That's a really time-consuming process, bundling, right. All right, well, so in, in a typical campaign, if I understand this correctly, the, the donors that give you know, the biggest gifts, who are, who are in charge of the bundling efforts, who are giving money to super PACs, they can be quite influential on the campaign. And I'm curious, in light of what you said about donors sort of not being happy with his behavior on the trail, what has been the role of, of donors or potential donors in trying to convince Trump to like pivot to the general or basically act differently than he has been acting? Right. Well, I mean, I think that's definitely the message that donors are trying to send. But I think one of the problems they're having with Trump is that they don't always feel like they have a, a real relationship with him. I think, as I said, the RNC was the one who reached out to a lot of these donors who are raising money for the Victory Committee. Some of the donors I talked to said that they do have a point person on the Trump campaign to talk to, but I don't think they really feel like he's hearing their message necessarily. And, you know, I think he would he would say that's a positive thing. And, and I think many people would say that's a positive thing, that he, the donors don't quite have his ear in the same way that they might have for other candidates. But I think if he wants to raise money, then he's going to have to certainly make donors feel like they're being heard, even if he's not listening to their advice. I mean, and he's also just not coming to them, right? Like, I, I understand the RNC is making making appeals on his behalf, but I, I remember there was some story that I wish I remembered the details better, but that he was given a list of, of people to call, basically. I think it was 20 people, and he just, like, didn't do it. He he didn't he didn't want to, I guess. Um, right. was, there a po- was there a point when, you know, the Republican donors who are accustomed to being solicited by, by candidates, like, was there a point when they noticed that they weren't getting those calls from the Trump campaign? Did they worry about that, or did they just assume, you know, that he had his own plan that they, they just weren't aware of. I think certainly in the early weeks, so right after Cruz and Kasich had dropped out, I talked to a lot of top donors to them who you would think would really be the first stop for the Trump campaign and trying to pull in new people. Um, and they said they hadn't heard from the Trump campaign. They hadn't heard from the super PAC. And I think they just felt like the whole operation was a little bit disorganized. I think that is changing in recent weeks. Trump went to this breakfast in New York with donors this morning. Mm-hmm. He went to a fundraiser last night on Wall Street. So I, I think he is making more more of an effort now, but I think it, it definitely took him a while to get there. Right. Well, that was going to be my next uh, my next question. I mean, it seems like now things are moving. You know, he sent out this fundraising email, uh, which was his first of the campaign, I gather. You mentioned the breakfast this morning and the fundraiser last night with Wall Street people. Is he getting serious about this? And, and what would it look like for, for him to, to get serious about, about this right now? So that, that's certainly what it seems like. It seems like he is feeling the urgency more. Like I said, he did this fundraising swing through Texas last week, which I hear raised about $8 million or so. He did this fundraiser last night, which we also hear did pretty well. But the thing about his fundraising now is that even if he starts attending all these fundraisers and taking this more seriously, he's still pursuing a financial strategy where he's still not going to get most of the money. So the joint fundraising committee that they're raising money for can accept checks of up to about Mm $449,000, but only 2,700 of that can go to Trump's campaign for the general election. And the rest is going to go to the party and and state parties. And even after that, it has to be earmarked for funds that go to conventions and election recounts and uh, headquarters maintenance. So there is still a limit on on really what of the money that he's pulling in that he's going to be able to control. Got it. Okay. And so just, just to close, I guess, what what's going to happen if he doesn't get his numbers up? Like, wh- what will he be unable to do? And considering that he has achieved quite a lot already on 
not a lot of money, right? I mean, there is an argument to be made that maybe his campaign is just so different from a traditional one that that he you know he knows how to get more bang for his buck, or he knows how to get ton of free media. Um, is it possible that this you know gaping imbalance between him and Clinton doesn't put him uh, as far behind as it, as it might seem? It's always a possibility. I think with with Trump's campaign, it's it's so hard to speculate. But I do think that while his um, strategy of not having a ground game in the primary and really just, as you say, relying on free media served him well in a primary where he had 16 or 17 other rivals, it's going to go less well for him if he's going up against just one person who has such an expansive operation. I think he's not going to be able to rely on the free media in the same way he did when when there's just one other person for them to cover. And I, I think he's just going to, I think it's going to be very hard for him to wage a campaign on as many fronts as you need to in a general election without having people on the ground who are knocking on doors and making calls and making sure that voters turn out to the polls. Rebecca Ballhouse is a reporter at The Wall Street Journal covering politics and campaign finance. Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That is it for today's episode of Trumpcast. The show is produced by Henry Milofsky and Jason DeLeon, who have in their combined war chest a ball of lint, a few movie tickets, and a half-eaten bag of Cheetos that they're planning to split. Slate's executive producer is Steve Lichtai, whose experience with fundraising is limited to asking people to use promo code TRUMPCAST at checkout. Andy Bowers, who is self-funding his entire life so as to remain independent, is our chief content officer. Special thanks to John DiDomenico, our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Leon Nafok. Thanks for listening to TRUMPCAST. I am the king of debt. That has been great for me as a businessman, but is bad for the country. I made a fortune off of debt. We'll fix U.S.